0: Hey guys, welcome to the Survival Show podcast. This is a special break it down segment with me, David and Craig, where it's our job to take you step by step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster and show you how to use the lessons you learn today to thrive in your life tomorrow. Hey, my friend, Craig, how are you doing today? Fan.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) Doing real well. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited about what we're going to do here. So uh, for everybody listening, what we've decided, bait, not what we've decided, but what we did is we listened to you guys and gals out there and and several people have said, hey, we really like the short segments. Won't you do more of those? So what we're going to do, you all, is we're going to spin off some of our segments on our larger show and make them smaller ones. And put them out there in this digestible fifteen minutes, you know, approximately fifteen minute format, and and just run with it. And so, hopefully, we're meeting the needs of you all because that's our goal, as well as getting good information out there. So, as always, you know, if you find something that we're doing here and you like it, share it with other people and all that good stuff because that helps everybody. So, thank you for that, and thanks for the feedback. Uh, your mm-hmm. feedback is vital to what we're doing, so we really appreciate it.
0: And I want to let everybody know that our regular we usually launch them on Sundays. Our regular longer segments won't change, but we're just adding some extra content in smaller digestible chunks for you guys.
1: Well, I think part of the reason everybody needs to know this too, is that Dave and I are starting to get in a groove of this thing. So our, our segment that used to be right at an hour long and had the main segment and mailbag and thumbs up, thumbs down, all that stuff that ended up going out to an hour and a half, two hours. (laughs) So, um, to make all this more digestible, we're going to keep that and we're doing everything we can to keep that in an hour and then spinning those things off. So it's so it's good for everybody.
0: Without any further discussion, we're going to take a look at a real life story today. And one thing I just want to emphasize is when we take a look at these real life stories, we are not here to get down on the people in the story. We want to learn from stories because let's face it, narratives and stories are, are great at teaching us lessons so that's what we're going to do we're going to dissect and extract some real life lessons from hopefully from this story and i'm ready to get into this craig we're going to be talking about an active shooter situation today i believe so are you ready to break it down
1: yeah let's do this So guys, most everybody, uh, if you've not been living under a rock, know about this story, but in, on October 1st of 2017, a gunman opened fire on a crowd attending the final night of a country music festival in Las Vegas, killing 58 people and injuring more than 800. Although the shooting only lasted 10 minutes, the death and injury toll made this massacre the deadliest mass shooting in us history at the time of the attack. Um, there's several things that jump out about this particular situation. Uh, the first was that there's, there were lots of video of this attack while it was happening. Uh, most people, if you watch any of that video or, or saw it back then you'll remark or you'll note that people were saying, it sounds like fireworks and it, going back to some of the things that we've discussed in these podcasts, that's, that is a, Way of you understanding what we've called normalcy bias, whereas a lot of people, most people, tend to normalize situations because we as humans don't like change. And so, what what those people are doing is is exactly that they are normalizing the situation. They hear gunfire and they make it out to be fireworks because fireworks is okay, right? It's okay to hear fireworks. It's not a problem. If it was gunfire, which is not a good thing to hear, then. They uh, then they'll have to make a change. They'll have to make a very drastic change. And so, uh, if you get an opportunity again, or t- haven't taken the opportunity, watch some of that video. Uh, there's not video out there that I uh, that I came across where it shows people getting killed. So you don't have to concern yourself with seeing that if that's not what you want to see. But you can see the reaction that people gave to it, and a lot of that had to do with with fireworks. So yeah, and it's
0: really interesting, Craig, yeah. because we've. We've both been to Las Vegas, right, for SHOT Show, at least. and
1: Yeah, it was sobering. I, I mean, David invited me to go to SHOT Show with him last year, and uh, we drove right by the spot where the – what was the name of that place? Was it Mandalay it Bay? It was Mandalay Bay. That's or correct, that shooter. yep. Uh, we, we drove right by, it, and, and it was really sobering for me because I'm a country boy, don't go to the big cities very often and to see exactly the immenseness of this building. And basically it was from a, from an actor shooter perspective, the guy had an, you know, he had an overwatch, basically he had, he had a situation where he was shooting down into the crowd. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's very sobering.
0: Yeah. Another thing to add on to what you were saying, Craig is not only normalcy bias, but uh, we've got a podcast that we're going to be doing coming up where you talk about the different levels of awareness and what happens when you're in a place like Las Vegas and in some ways it's kind of like Times Square in New York city or kind of like Disneyland where you go there. And in the general sense that you get there is, is uh, there's a lot of things to see. There's a lot of things to do and people are there to have a good time. So the fact that people thought that they were hearing fireworks would not necessarily be unheard of in, in a place like that. In fact, uh there's there's several of the casinos and and hotels that have really interesting just over the top displays for the public to see so people weren't they weren't thinking i mean they were at a concert having a a good time so do you want to just go through the the levels of awareness uh chart the white yellow and and all that and just explain that to people i think most of yeah. these people were probably so in yeah. that white zone really
1: yeah most people are uh and it's and it's something that we need to be aware of it's Cooper's color code of awareness and basically your your white is uh code white is where most people exist where they're not paying attention to their surroundings they're they uh they only see what's directly in front of them and at a concert, for example, all they're seeing is the concert they're seeing the musicians they're seeing the person that's singing and they're paying attention to that and they're not paying attention to anything that's happening around them and so anything that happens outside of what's directly in front of them is a surprise code yellow is where um, you it's, it's basically for lack of a better way of saying it uh, relaxed awareness. You, you are more aware of what's going on around you see what's going on around you, but it's not like you're making uh, definitive movements or decisions based upon it. You, you do when you go into a concert venue, for example, you do look around and see, I mean, Again, we don't want to, uh, armchair quarterback anybody, but if I were to go to that concert venue, I would immediately be looking at who has the ability to shoot down on me. I mean, I would, and then I would have a plan if somebody started shooting from that building where I would go. Um, or I would ignore it altogether. I would <laughs> and not go to that type of venue. So, um, that, that's an option too, but it's not a good option. A coat orange is where you have a real heightened level of awareness You sense that something is not right. You recognize that something is possibly wrong, and you start to literally take time to evaluate the situation. For example, uh, in this particular situation, you're you're at that venue. You hear what could be fireworks. You hear what could be gunfire, and you start looking and making decisions and paying attention to what's going on around you. Um, For example, if if, when that happened, there were going to be people that got shot and people that were going to move out from away from that person, like a ripple effect. And if you were paying attention, you could see that and then immediately start making decisions to, to make a change. And that's where you run into code red. Code red is where there's a verifiable threat and you've, you must start taking immediate action. You've got to do something. You've got to do it now. So it's, it's code white, which is basically oblivious code yellow, which is relaxed alert. Uh, code Orange, where there is a possible threat, uh, heightened sensu- uh, si- uh, level of awareness, and then Code Red again is is where there is a verifiable threat, and you've got to take action.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a really good summary, Craig. And there were a large number number of people here, and some of the footage that I had seen, especially early on, people had no idea where the shots were coming from, so people were just going in all directions.
1: No, there is no. I mean, in in I don't even the video that I saw of trained law enforcement and these are law enforcement officers that are trained in Las Vegas. So at some point in time, they've probably had some sort of t- training on recognizing where gunfire is coming from. Uh, they couldn't see where or see or, and or hear where it was coming from. It, it would have been nearly impossible. The buildings are so immense. It's so big. There's it, one video. There was one video that me and a a friend of mine, a friend of mine that uh, he was a he was Naval special warfare. And, uh, this is a guy who's heard a lot of gunfire in battle. I mean, a lot of gunfire, both from himself and towards him. So, I mean, to give you an idea, this guy was in Beirut when the, the Marine Corps, uh, barracks bombing happened. he was one of the guys that went down there and delivered some payback. But, um, one of the videos that we were listening to and we were bre- he was breaking it down for me and helping me learn from it was there were so many, it sounded like there were like three or four different rifles going off when there was only one. But because of the echoes and the formation of the buildings, there was so much sound bouncing off other buildings. You couldn't, I mean, it would have been nearly impossible to be able to determine where with just hearing alone, where this is coming from. So yeah, it was, it was incredibly bad situation.
0: Um, There was this one individual, his name was Jonathan Smith and, and uh, I pulled up a couple articles on some heroes from that night. He he was said to um, have helped save about thirty people. He acknowledged it at one point it's where people just didn't know what was going on, and he started shouting, "Active shooter! Active shooter! Let's go! We have to run!" And he repeatedly shouted that. People said, and he was able to corral people and get them uh, get them moving away from. Where he perceived the shots were coming from.
1: That's—I uh, tell you what—I had not heard that story. That's fantastic. Let me let me explain why that's fantastic. I have taught self defense and, and hand to hand combatists for years, and one of the things that we that I've taught people in the midst of a self defense situation is what how you use your head. Uh, if you watch our videos over on Patreon, I talk about hand, your hands, elbows, knees, feet, and head. And one of the ways you use your head is your voice. You scream and yell things, and if you yell something like help, a lot of people ignore that. That's a word that we hear on a regular basis. And so we don't do anything. Uh, we, you know, w- when I say we see it on a regular basis, every time you pull up Microsoft Excel, you see the help menu or uh, right. you need can I help you with something at the library or at work or something of that nature. You know, it's not a word that sends out, but I tell people in self-defense to yell rape because that gets people's attention. And in this situation, this guy yelling active shooter got everybody's attention. Cause I'm sure he's not the only one that is in the area screaming things. People are probably screaming, go here, go here, go here. And there's probably 10 different directions. They're telling them to go and people are just stuck. They can't make decisions, but active shooter gets people moving anywhere. So that, that, that was really smart on his part. That was really smart. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's, that's vital in doing that in this particular situation is, is when you recognize, like this guy helped people to recognize, or people recognize on their own, that you can't freeze in a situation. You've got to move off the line. Uh, you've got to find cover. Again, we've talked about cover and concealment at different times in, in in an active shooter situation, and that comes up in great detail in our, our future podcast where we go into detail about active shooter. But um, you, you've got to find cover, which means what kind of places can you go if bullet's are are coming towards you that whatever cover you've got stops the bullets. Concealment is where you go somewhere where bullets could go through it, but it's hard for people to see you. Mm-hmm. And so it's best to get to cover. Uh, it's best to remove your, well, I should, I should rephrase. It's best to remove yourself from the situation entirely and not be there. If you can't, then you get yourself to cover. If you can't find cover, you find concealment. And then, uh, if you have the capability, then you fight back. In this situation, fighting back was, was going to have to be done by law enforcement. It's not something that even your typical, let's say your concealed carry permit holder was in that area. They're not going to be able to do much in that situation. Uh, they're just, if anything at all. So uh, that that's something to, to make sure that you move off the line. A moving target is harder to hit than a stationary target. And so you want to move. You want to make it hard for somebody to be able to shoot you in that that sort of situation.
0: Now, I don't know what the exact situation was on the ground there, but it seemed to me, one, which we've already discussed, people could not tell once they realized that there was shooting going on where the shots were coming from. So what ended up happening, Craig, is I've, I've pulled up at least three stories of one lady that got her daughter on the ground and shielded her. I've got another one of a a uh, a man who got in front of his wife and shielded her. And uh, Mike McGarry, a financial advisor from Philadelphia, threw himself on top of his children as the shots rang out. And he he said, "They're twenty. I'm fifty-three. I lived a good life," <laughs> is what he was said to say. And uh, the interesting thing when you talk about you know cover and concealment is that some people they gave their lives that day to provide cover for others around them i mean that's just the highest order of sacrifice and there were a lot of heroes on that day who did just that
1: yeah we had a we had a discussion on my my nature line school facebook page yesterday about a there was a a family that was hiking and a tree started to fall and the mother jumped in front of the kids and sheltered them and ended up killing her and not the kids um and my com- my comment in that situation is that warriors and mothers are the absolute best uh, example for us in in selflessness uh they they just tend to give themselves up for their children uh and obviously dads too but but um but, uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's true I, I think that's noble, I think it's important to recognize people like that for what they did, but, I also want to be realistic here and say that, yes, yeah, sheltering people in in the spot and covering them is noble, but the better solution is to actually move
0: mm-hmm.
1: that statistically, you're more likely to be to uh, To not get shot on the move than you are, if, even if you're just sitting in a position and and covering somebody up. So, I just want to make sure that that we that people understand that. Now, if we've got something where we've got complete and total cover for everybody, then that's one thing. But even in that situation, you know, I'm sure the dad does not want his child to not have a dad. You know, it's no it's noble to give your life, but it's also uh, and that's heroic to an extent, but at the same time, statistically, it's better to move. You know, law enforcement doesn't have that <laughs> that opportunity. The average ordinary civilian does. And so, uh, so uh, law enforcement has to run towards that sound. Uh, that's a different animal. But the, the rest of us, we have the option uh, of moving out, and we need to be able to do that. In the process of moving, I think it's worthwhile to discuss that we need to be moving in a direction that is different than everybody else. Uh, we humans have a tendency to move as a group and under stress like that. And in a situation where there's an active shooter shooting into a crowd, that active shooter is going to shoot into the largest conglomeration of people. And so if you move in with a crowd, a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, you're right where everybody else is, which means everything's going to slow down. Uh, there's going to be an exit. Um, the other thing that we do, and I think we discuss this in the future active shooter broadcast, but, but, uh, people are going to go, people, humans as a species and, and a lot of, uh, mammals go back to the known, you know, a deer, when it gets alarmed, runs back to where it's been. Cause it knows there was no danger there. Humans are no different. So, uh, if everybody came into a certain spot in the room, then, um, or I'm into this venue, then when stuff started getting stressful, they're going to go right back to where they came in because it was not stressful there. So, uh, there was not danger there. And so that's important to understand. So going a different direction removes you from the biggest area of threat, uh, in that particular situation.
0: That's a really good point. And actually that wouldn't have been one that I would have thought of Craig. So, also, we've got people going in different directions, just mass chaos, and people a lot of people got split from their groups and their families. Do you have anything to say about rendezvous points or rally points?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You got you've got to have rally points. You gotta have rendezvous points. Uh my my daughter uh bought me tickets to a, a concert back a few months ago when we got there. You know, it you don't have to be uh Paranoid. You're just prepared. That's the way I like to say it. Be prepared, not paranoid. Um, But as soon as we got to our seats, I showed her where everybody was. If something went down in that arena, this is where everybody was going to leave. And and that's why we were going to go a different direction. And I told her, if we got split up, this is where we're going to meet. This is where we're going to meet inside the building. And it was going to be a place where we had cover. And I also had a place where we would meet outside the building as we were walking in. And so it, 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 you know, at this point with my family, they expect that sort of discussion. And so it's not a, a paranoid thing. It's just being prepared. And then we had a great time at the concert, nothing happened and it was fantastic. And, but that didn't mean that we didn't make necessary, make the necessary discussion and precautions before going there. That's for sure.
0: So did you have anything to say? Did you hear any stories of some of the heroes of that, that night that you wanted to share?
1: Nothing other than, uh the obvious ones that you've already pointed out, which is very important. Uh, but some of the things that happened was, was uh, where people were, were doing exactly what I described. There were people that were law enforcement officers that were in the audience that knew that the best thing to do was not be going with the crowd. They went a totally di- different direction, got cover and hid. Uh, I would like to point that sort of thing out because that person is just as much a hero as a person that lays on the ground, shields her family. Um, I think we have this, romanticized idea of what it means to be a hero. And sometimes the hero in a situation is a person that just removes their kids. Even if those kids are, you know, 12 or 13 year old young teenagers out of the situation and gets them to safety rather than, Hey, I'm going to, you know, fight back and shoot back. Sometimes the best solution is just to remove yourself. And and that worked out really well. Mm-hmm.
0: There's another story of a former Marine, who he and his friend found a truck with keys in it, and they were able to uh, do two things according to what I read. One was they took this truck and they got it to a in a place where they could get victims and and people who had been shot or uh just needed some cover and they got them into this truck and they were able to transport people to the hospital so they were thinking on their feet and able to get this this vehicle two people who needed cover and who needed to go to the hospital.
1: Yeah. there were, there were some of these guys and it, it may be somebody different too. I don't know the exact um, person that did this, but there was, there was one military person. I can't remember if he was a Marine or what have you, but they provided a lot of medical assistance on the ground too, Mm -hmm. uh, improvising tourniquets and stuff of that nature and literally saving a couple of lives. And, uh, and I can't remember exactly who that was or what, you know, branch of service they came from. But that's, you know, that's another thing that comes up in, whenever we talk about active shooter, active aggressor, is you, you need to have some medical, uh, some medical training. We talk about that for sure in our upcoming podcast, so.
0: Yeah, so I, I know they've come to a conclusion on motive and they found with this person who was the shooter that they couldn't pin it down to a motive. And there's still some details that don't that don't seem to be out there in public specifically security errors uh you know people in the building now I did read a story of a fellow who was two stories down in the hotel and he was able to direct the police uh to where he heard the shots in the hotel but did you have anything to say about about all that i mean it was a wasn't it like t- 10 minutes it was a t- lapse of like 10 minutes and i i guess i could not understand personally uh, having stayed in some of these larger hotels, why people on various different floors on the same floor and, and all of that weren't all calling nine eleven and directing the police, however they could. I, I just, I, I guess it just kind of, well, they might've been away.
1: They might've been. And there's, there's one thing for sure, you know, there when peop when a nine one one dispatch service gets a call about a, about the description of somebody more often than not, when the law enforcement officer gets there, the person doesn't look like that at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people, people even get, um, points of importance such as what kind of clothes somebody's wearing wrong, let alone where they're hearing something. Mm-hmm. And so there, there were a lot of phone calls that were made to 911 at that time. Matter of fact, there were dozens, if not hundreds of them. But there were so many of them, it was more of a distraction oh, right, right. Yeah. than it was anything because you had people going in so many different directions. And so, you know, law enforcement is trained to handle that. This is why, you know, I can't imagine uh, myself being in the position where I had to fix that problem. Uh, that's why those guys are heroes in my mind. Guys and yeah. gals are heroes mm-hmm. in my mind. But, uh, yep. but uh, there would have been just as much, I mean <laughs> – We had this situation come up the other day. I mean, like two days ago, we were out doing some, uh, take some photos for Instagram and doing some videos for the podcast and stuff. Me and my wife and my son actually went with us and, and, uh, they were down in the woods taking a couple of photos and I had just kind of chilled out and was sitting somewhere else and gunfire started happening. You know, I live in Kentucky, so gunfire is not a big deal, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, it's, you know, guns going off is not a big deal. I look up and here comes my son running up through the woods. I mean, he was 100% confident that the gunfire was happening right next to me or at me, or I was doing it. And he was only maybe 50, 60 yards down in the woods. Well, the gunfire happened probably 150 yards from me on a totally different piece of property. But the way the Hmm. sound carried to him It sounded like, and I mean, this is a kid that's trained on such things. Um, It sounded like it was me, like somebody shooting at me or me shooting at somebody. So, Hmm. you know, something, you know, that's in the woods in a small, I mean, we were in a small area where it had been, he was real close to me. I can't imagine what that sound was like in Las Vegas with all that sound bouncing off there. It would be nearly impossible to determine with certainty where that was coming from.
0: So let's move on out of here, Craig, and let's just share some action steps. Or some things that people can maybe add to their mental notebook if they're ever in a situation like this, or even how to uh, potentially just prepare themselves if, if something like this is down the road for them.
1: Okay, though. so the first one that I would throw out there is just be aware. Be in that relaxed state of awareness, that code uh, You can do a quick Google search on uh, Cooper's code of, uh, Color Code of Awareness and see what I'm talking about. There's books written on this subject. Uh, it's, it's worthwhile reading. Um, be aware when you go outside, don't be in code white, get your nose out of your phone, pay attention to your surroundings, left, right, up and down all around when you're in a a group setting. Um, Secondly, beyond that, I would do, I would make sure that if I go into a group venue like that, I would make sure that I have my exit strategy planned out with those that are with me, my rendezvous points. And uh, I would also be looking for cover and concealment. I mean, what are the areas if gunfire comes from this part of the arena, where can I go over here for cover? Uh, I would be looking for that. And again, when you if you've never done that sort of thing before, then you'll feel real paranoid. But the more you do it, it, it just becomes natural and you don't really think about it. Matter of fact, in a team or a group setting, like me and my son, for example, because we do this a lot, I mean, me and him will make a, a three- word statement to one another, like there's the cover and he and I both know what we're talking about. And so, I mean, the more you do that, it's not paranoid. It's just being prepared. What, what do you have to add as far as action steps?
0: Yeah, I was just going to echo the situational awareness that you, you had mentioned. I I think that's, and we've covered this in previous podcasts and we're going to continue to cover this and uh, just practicing that we've we've talked and we will be talking before about just simple stuff you can do right now like for instance if you go into a public building sitting facing the door and i have a little exercise that i do now and again just to just to keep myself sharp and just watching three or four people come through the door and you know within a couple of seconds just being able to tell everything i can from that person uh, as they come in and just periodically just pulling myself out, taking a look around and uh, being aware. I think that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway. And I also want to point people to uh, Patreon where we have uh, the one video that you did that specifically, I think we're calling it five life-saving self-defense tips. And most of that video is about situational awareness and uh, some different. Uh, different things people can do to prepare and prevent aggressor situations. But that's pretty much, that's pretty much all I have.
1: Yeah. And let's, uh, I mean, it's a real good stuff over on patreon.com forward slash the survival show, but just keep subscribed to this podcast here because what's going to happen is uh, we've got a lot of podcasts in the queue right now. one of those is we go over an hour discussing active shooter, active aggressors, uh, when I say active shooter, active aggressor, it's not necessarily a shooter every time. Uh, so we need to be prepared for aggressors that are using vehicles, using knives, using other instruments of destruction to to bring harm to people. Um, so subscribe to the podcast now. That way, when that comes up, you'll see it coming in your, uh, your feed. It's free to subscribe to the podcast. So that's real beneficial to us. Uh, that helps us get the numbers that we need to, to make sure that we keep doing what we're doing, which everything's going really well. I can't thank you all enough that are listening. Um, so, again, subscribe to the podcast. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a five-star rating uh, on whatever uh, device, whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes or Google Air, wh- What is it? Google Play? (laughs) It's Google Play. (laughs) I keep saying Google Air. I do like it when you say Google Air. (laughs) That just lets everybody know that I am not a technological nerd. (laughs) So um, just go ahead right now and click the link in the video description. And uh, that'll get you over to uh, any number of resources available over on patreon.com forward slash the survival show. Um, Our goal there is to offer you the tips, tactics, skills, and action steps and kit checklist and gear reviews and all kinds of good stuff. So with all that said, thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.